to our topic for today. Many of you will have read uh, Stephen Covey's famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The reason I know that is there are lots of highly effective people in this church this morning. You may recall that the second habit is begin with the end in mind. Now that sounds all very well, but very often it's impossible to do. Um, because if we knew beforehand the time, the difficulty and the personal cost that some things involve, uh, we may never begin anything important. For example, having a family, uh, completing a degree or helping a family in need sometimes ends up being much more involved than we th thought at the beginning. It's just impossible to really begin with the end in mind in most cases. And following Jesus really is also in that category. Much as we would like to know all that following Jesus involves at the beginning, we simply cannot know. And so this morning I'm talking about um, aspects of discipleship, especially looking at the Annunciation. That is the call by God by, uh, of Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Uh, Mary will, of course, feature prominently in our Christmas celebrations coming up. So it's good that we begin to think about Mary and, and what she contributes and there are different views of Mary. Um, Eastern Orthodox Christians, for example, have got a special name for her, Theotokos, which is translated the Mother of God or the God-bearer. In 1969, the Roman Catholics built the Basilica of the Annunciation, which stands on the spot which is believed to be the childhood home of Mary in Nazareth. Uh, Pip and I had the privilege of, of visiting this church about four or five years ago, where presumably Mary had her encounter with the angel. She is venerated in Catholicism, as we know. By contrast, Protestants generally swing in the opposite direction and systematically ignore Mary. Still others, more extreme liberals, for example, say that Mary was a victim of divine coercion. Think about that. So there's a wide range of views. Uh, a kind of Christian goddess, almost making it into the Trinity. Uh, an ideal mother, perhaps. Or an ideal woman. So what do the scriptures actually say about Mary? Let's, let's delve into them. Well, first, the first thing to notice is that, that Luke, the gospel writer, appears to have a private source of information about Mary that seems to have come from Mary herself. So whereas uh, the other gospel writers say little about her, Mary, uh, Luke has a lot to say about all the women who followed Jesus in general, and Mary in particular. And for Luke, Mary is not a goddess. She is not an ideal mother. She is not an ideal woman, but rather Mary is portrayed as an ideal disciple. And there are three aspects of discipleship that I want to identify from Luke chapter 2 this morning that will help us learn from Mary what it means for us to be disciples. And each aspect represents a certain tension within her calling, an uncomfortable and unresolved aspect of following Jesus. And it fills out this idea that we simply don't know the end from the beginning, but we are called to live in the gap anyway. 
So first up, I want you to notice that Mary is consistently called the favoured one. Uh, Verse 28, the angel greets Mary by saying, greetings, favoured one. Um, And then in verse 30, the angel reassures Mary by uh, by saying, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. So this idea that Mary is favoured and blessed is really underlined. So Mary's favoured, she's blessed, but what does that look like on the ground? What does it actually translate into? For Mary, it meant becoming pregnant out of wedlock. And we know that in ancient Jewish culture, a girl in this situation faced grave danger. At the least, she could become the object of scorn. And at worst, she risked being stoned to death by the village that raised her. So for Mary to say yes to God's call on her life, to become the mother of Jesus, was to court scandal and ostracism and perhaps death. She was putting herself on the line, her reputation, her marriage, her life. And this is what it meant for Mary to be favoured. This is what it meant to be blessed. This is what it meant to be an ideal disciple. How often do we subconsciously expect that a little bit of religion really should be good for us? That it will enhance our lives or that it will bring a pleasing balance to life? Life will be so much better, more pleasant, if we follow Jesus. Those who subscribe to the doctrine of health, wealth and happiness, the so-called prosperity gospel, take this idea to the next level, of course. But I'm not sure that any of us are completely free from the unstated assumption that our Christian faith should materially, socially and emotionally enrich our lives. This is what we often think of as being favoured. And it's not totally wrong, but just look at what it meant for Mary. Mary, the ideal disciple, said yes to God's call on her life, and it led to potential suffering and loss and difficulty. But she still said yes to God. The one who is truly favoured by God is the one who is prepared to follow God's call wherever it may lead. Here's another point of tension. The angel said she was favoured and would bear a son and he was to be named Jesus. And he would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. How did she respond to this call? Did she say, let it be to me according to your word? Well, yes, she did say that, but it wasn't the first thing she said. There was an intermediate step which represents our second point of tension. Mary responded to the angel's message by first saying, how can this be since I am a virgin? Note that Mary does not leap headlong into rash agreement. She's not so overwhelmed by the experience that she stammers out a hasty, oh, yes, Lord, you know, bring it on, Lord. Mary hears God's word thinks critically about what's involved, pauses to consider and then asks the obvious question, how can I have this child since I've never slept with a man? What's the method here? How's all this going to happen? Lord, I'm just trying to think this through um, and it's not making any sense at all. Do you see the tension here for Mary and uh, our ideal disciple? She's not a robot She's not a mindless instrument 
She's fully engaged with this call. She wrestles and seeks clarification. So this is not God coercing a person against their will. This is about God inviting Mary to participate in his saving plan. And this is how God works when he calls us as disciples as well. God calls all of us, our bodies, our minds, our hearts. God wants all of us, but will not overwhelm us. God calls us to different ministries and tasks, but never coerces. To be made in God's image is to exercise free will. When God calls you into his service, he expects you to fully engage with this call, to wrestle with it, to weigh it up, to think about the consequences, and only then to say, let it be with me according to your word. Mary begins by asking, how can this be? And she finishes by saying, let it be. So there's a call a wrestling, and then and only then is their consent. Let's now consider the third aspect of tension uh, for our ideal disciple. Every great uh, commission has a day after, doesn't it? Um, think of Bishop Peter being consecrated bishop a few years ago. Um, or the mayor winning the local elections, or the prime minister winning the general election. There's always the day after. The day after the balloons and the streamers and the music and the celebration. The day when things must begin. For Mary, it was after the angel left her. And that introduced a third tension in the life of the ideal disciple. It's the moment when the prayer ends, the vision recedes, the certainty wavers. It's the moment after the yes the moment when the mountaintop experience fades into memory and life in the valley begins. How she may have wished for the angel's presence when she faced the villages of Nazareth or went to explain things to Joseph. Fortunately, he had a vision of his own. Or saddle up the donkey to go to Bethlehem. We might think that to experience an angel must be the end of mystery, a solid Reliable, personal experience. But for Mary, the angel's departure was the beginning of the mystery that is the tension between the call and living the call. There's a tension there for us too, isn't it? Uh, we may have an incredible experience of God, and that's one thing. But obeying God when the vision and the experience has faded well, that's another thing. Is that where you are right now? Living in the tension and the mystery between God's amazing, dramatic and powerful presence and the steady, daily, long obedience in the same direction. That is what following Jesus is all about. So this morning I've tried to explore three aspects of discipleship by looking at the call of this ideal disciple, Mary. And each one represents an unresolved tension that disciples must learn to live with. Because apparently, we might not have made it this way, but apparently 
according to God's infinite wisdom, this is the best way we can grow in faith and participate in the kingdom work that he is so interested in. The first tension is, being, is about being favoured. Often we define it a certain way, don't we? But Mary defines it in a completely different way. Mary was favoured not because of conventional definitions of favour, but because she took a risk, faced the cost, and was obedient to God's call. The second tension is about uh, being fully engaged with the call of God on your life, wrestling with that call and its consequences. It's okay to question God. It's okay to rail against God sometimes if you think that call is unfair or unduly difficult. That's about wrestling with the call. Because the call is not coercion. God expects us to fully participate in responding to his call on our lives. And the third tension has to do with the day after. When the memory of the angelic visitor recedes. And the day after is the day we get to work. We live within the mystery and fulfill our call. Mary had an unmistakable call from God. But God calls you as well. God calls people into his service to carry forward his plans and purposes to renew the world, to bring justice and peace to everyone. So this is not just about Mary's special and unique call. This is also about Mary as an ideal disciple, a role model for us, if you will. Someone we can learn from and aspire to be like. Now, you may be wrestling with God's call on your life right now. You may be wondering where God is leading you and what God wants of you. Can I simply say that you cannot know the end from the beginning? If we did, we probably wouldn't begin. But we can know the God who promises to be with us no matter what. So if your call seems hard or pointless or lonely or in any way beyond you, I urge you, continue to trust the God who called you. Continue to believe that good things are possible. Continue to know that in spite of the pain and discomfort, this is the best possible trajectory of your life. And continue to hope that the one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Pete, could you come and lead us in prayer?